And welcome to the Department 12 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. I am joined in this episode by Dr. Eric Knudsen. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your background, please? Yeah, sure. So started at uh, University at Albany studying psychology. Uh, right after undergrad, I jumped straight into a PhD program in school psychology. Spent about a year in that program uh, exploring data and measurement in education. But what I realized over the course of that year was that a lot of my interests in education were grounded more in sort of the organizational dynamics and facets of educational institutions. And so I had the unique opportunity to transfer into an IO PhD program at Baruch College. And so after a year in the school psych program, I, I jumped over to IO, um, really never looked back. Uh, it was you know pretty clear to me that I landed in the right place. Uh, so spent a couple years in that program before I started work as a data analyst for the City University of New York, the administration, putting data into the hands of uh, some of the city's top education administrators, which was a pretty cool opportunity. Um, and from there, jumped into the people assessment and analytics team at JetBlue Airways, which was really my first step into the people analytics space, partnering with other IO psychologists um, to help develop and validate assessment and other measurement tools uh, for hiring many of JetBlue's frontline roles. Then a couple of years ago, I transitioned to Namely, which is uh, an HR tech company, all-in-one HR platform. Uh, I was brought on to build out an internal people analytics function and broadly increase the data acumen of the company. And I knew longer term and the company knew longer term that eventually we would transition these learnings from our internal practice to uh, more of an external customer and product focus. And so just a few months ago, I transitioned to the business operations team there. And so finally, I am taking some of that internal analytics practice and sort of pivoting our attention to how we can help our clients and customers and uh, the broader HR field do better people analytics work. I'll just make two quick observations. One, it's amazing how many guests started off in some other field of psychology and then kind of figured out that they were really more interested in the organizational piece and, and kind of broadened out. And two is how many guests I've had uh, from Baruch. So I'm, I'm happy to have another one. And, <laughs> Great. and what we're here to talk about tonight is a subject that, you know, I think if I asked the average business person, what do they think of when they hear IO psychology? Two of the themes that would probably come up a lot are employee selection and, you know, metrics or measurement of some kind. We tend to think about job selection as ending at the moment of hire. And what, what you're interested in is something called quality of hire. So let's just start with that. W what is it you mean by quality of hire? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, broad, speaking broadly, quality of hire is simply a reflection on your hiring decision. Uh, it's actually difficult to define much further than that because uh, what we found is there's really no one-size-fits-all metric for all organizations. really depends on where your priorities are in hiring. Um, and that was something or a conclusion that we arrived at after uh, quite a bit of discussion, focus groups, experimentation, you know, our ultimately what we realized and what we've since communicated to many of our clients and customers and uh, is that it's very challenging for there to be one universal way of uh, measuring and assessing this, but there are strategies that get you to the right place. I asked uh, out on Twitter uh, what questions they have for someone who's an expert on building and measuring quality of hire. 
And, and one of the questions was, and it might segue into the, uh, the sort of strategy approach is from Victoria Whitaker, uh, what other measures would you consider using to get to quality of hire if you don't have access to employee opinion surveys or performance data? So I guess one question is, are employee opinions and performance data part of the strategy of measuring quality of hire? Uh, in many organizations they who are measuring quality of hire, they are incorporating scores like employee engagement scores into some composite quality of hire metric. Just to take a step back for a moment, a lot of sort of the initial measurements that companies look at are basically turnover and performance. So these are from some organizations' convenient data points. Those organizations are assuming that a hiring decision was successful if turnover is not at problematic levels or individual performance is high. But what we realize is that turnover is actually a pretty distal outcome for the hiring decision. And a formal rating, uh, like it sounds like this listener might be feeling, is it doesn't quite surface for upwards of a year in many cases. So an employee might have to be at the organization for quite a bit of time before there's some formal performance measurement. So these are simply not great uh, assessments of hiring priorities. And also generally you want a cycle time that is faster than one year to improve your hiring process, which is ultimately the point of measuring quality of hire. To think through our metric, first of all, we convened a small brain trust of sorts of internal experts, which included uh, people from recruiting, people ops, uh, and also well-respected and high-performing managers in the company to identify some of the critical outcomes of good hiring decisions. We had several discussions and arrived at sort of four four items that we would ask through a uh, manager survey. So actually, our early experimentation with quality of hire sort of encountered the cha- or introduced the challenges that you often see with measuring this kind of thing, which is that you don't have a lot of available data. And so our best way of approaching that was through manager surveys that were tapping into the sense that a new hire was ramping to productivity as expected, the degree of fit that was perceived between the new hire's skills and the requirements of the job, the fit between the values of the company and the perceived values of the individual. And then this fourth, um, this fourth item, which tried to tap, it's sort of a proxy for performance in some way, but in many ways it was different as well. And uh, it was an item that asked managers to indicate whether this individual was, um, or they felt this individual was raising the bar uh, at Namely. So are they exhibiting behaviors that show that they're in sort of the top tier of employees that are at the company today? Um, there is another question from Twitter, and it has to do with another metric. Did you find any correlation or did you consider any correlation between reference checks and the outcome of hire? This is from Mike PDX. Yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, we did not explore direct relationships between reference checks and quality of hire. Um, I'm sure our recruiting team would have uh, or have some things to say anecdotally about uh, the relationship between reference checks and and hiring outcomes. Uh, but it's likely that if someone had a very poor reference check that they would not be hired. And so you have uh, a range restriction problem there where uh, often people who are hired ultimately have very positive reference checks. And so there wouldn't be enough variance in the data to uh, assess the relationship between um, reference checks and hiring outcomes. Yeah, that makes sense. So it sounds like you started off mainly with uh, measures of 
manager perception of employee performance. Is that still where you would recommend or have have you changed the strategy or expanded in any way since then? Uh, there's no denying that when objective data is available, that that should be used over uh, manager report data. We were, you know, we're uh, at the time we were a growing company, we had several hundred employees and, and we're growing pretty rapidly. And really the best and fastest way for us to collect data and reflections on our hiring decisions was to rely on manager report. And so in some ways, the the measurements that we rolled out were a matter of necessity. But for an organization that is um, small and growing larger over time, this may be the only way to assess the quality of hire. Uh, one one thing I'm going to jump into actually that I think is important to emphasize, which I haven't yet, is that at Namely we see quality of hire as a framework and not just a measurement. There are two parts to what we call quality of hire. One is monitoring of the hiring decision. That's sort of the metric piece, the measurement piece. The other is monitoring the interview process, and that is sort of the continuous feedback loop that we want to build between the measurement and then the actual process of interviewing and, and arriving at a hiring decision. When we started this, we had just transi- transitioned to an applicant tracking system that allowed us to record interviewer ratings of candidates, sets of competencies. So every role at Namely was associated with five core competencies. Uh, that were unique to that role. We had, as a result of this, a pretty rich set of interviewer scorecards. So these are basically report cards that interviewers were completing while they were interviewing job candidates. As a part of our uh, quality of hire measurement, I talked about the four four sort of items that rolled up into our index, but there were other components, which were that we asked managers to uh, reflect again on how that new hire is exhibiting those same competencies that they were evaluated for in the interview process. And so now we have two snapshots of the same individual on the same set of competencies, pre-hire and post-hire. And this is helpful because it provides a really rich picture of uh, where we're doing well. In other words, where we're predicting uh, skills and competencies really well in the interview process and where we're not predicting those well. So have you made changes to the interviewing process based on, for example, areas that you've noticed that you're not predicting very well? Have you gone back and changed how you interview people to try to improve those predictions? Great question. So when we started to uh, analyze our pre and post scores on these competencies, we found out we were coming in a bit low in predictive value on two competencies. One was direct work and the other is action oriented. Direct work is like providing direction, delegating, and removing obstacles for others to get work done. Action-oriented is taking on work with a sense of urgency, high energy, and uh, ability to execute. We realized we were not, we just were not hitting the mark on these two in our interview process. And we were able to take this information, partner with an outside consulting firm to help uh, round out our interviewer training workshops and build exercises into those training workshops that were focused on evaluating these two competencies. And so at Namely, we train every interviewer on our process, 
um, the value of structured interviewing, et cetera, all these things that many IO psychologists are well aware of. Now having a detailed competency level view of where we're interviewing well and where we're not, we can actually tailor the training to uh, sort of boost our ability to predict these specific competencies better. That's great. And I guess over time, you'll just be able to continue to refine the process more and more, assuming that, you know, you stay uh, attached to these five core competencies, right? Right. There are, um, I mean, and every role has five of their own competencies. So, yeah. So every role has five competencies that draw from an inventory of about 30. And even these reflect these reflective processes are very tailored to the job role that we're talking about. But we can look across all candidates and see that we're not predicting uh, the action-oriented competency so well. And then again, we can build that into those training workshops. We can revisit the structured interview questions that we're asking for that competency. Um, Maybe we realize that competency is actually pretty difficult to evaluate through an interview question, and we instead need to build a work sample test or a case study. Uh, and so, again, having sort of this quantitative view of the process allows us to make all of these decisions to optimize uh, our hiring decisions. Well, I have to say, I think we've just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg on this topic, and it's absolutely fascinating. So I, I want to thank you very much for being on the show, and uh, I hope I get to talk to you again about another topic soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.